podcast for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, Daylight Burners. Happy Monday. <clears throat> Hope the weekend treated you well. Welcome back to another expedition. 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 Not the word I'm looking for either. Episode. This episode's going to be an expedition into the world of agriculture. This is the Friggin' Farm Report for Monday, December 11th, 2023. Um, we'll go ahead and jump into it with the market report. This is from uh, National Beef Wire, uh, Rob Cook compiling it. Uh, this is a Friday p.m. Uh, CME Livestock Exchange. Uh, live cattle up 320 at 165, 725. Feeder cattle up five uh five oh two uh five dollars oh twenty five uh to two fifteen thirty and hogs up one twenty at sixty eight nine seventy five. Corn was down two fifty at four eight fifty five, four dollars eight fifty five, uh eighty five five, I guess. Um soybeans down seven twenty five at thirteen twenty three, wheat's down ten fifty, six dollars thirty one seventy five. And cotton's down 115 at 81.44. Dow, NASDAQ, S&P all closed up higher based on economic optimism. I'm not sure where this economic optimism is uh, coming from, um, but stocks ended up closing the week higher. Crude oil is up 199 at 730, 71.33 a barrel. Heating oil to two... Uh, 258.5 uh, natural gas was down a touch at 255.4 box beef uh, down 183 at 288.01 select <coughs> that was choice uh, box beef uh, at down 183 at 288.01 select beef was uh, down 93 at 257.90 with the choice select spread being at $30.11 167 loads on Friday compared to 218 on Thursday. <clears throat> uh, bum, bum, bum. Cattle, live cattle trade um, in the Texas Panhandle for Friday and Nebraska and the Western Corn, Bait, Corn Belt negotiated cash trade has been limited on light demand. In Kansas, uh, uh, cash trade has been at a standstill. The most recent live fob purchases in the Southern Plains were Wednesday at 171. In Nebraska, same thing was Wednesday from 170 to 171, mostly at 171, with dress delivered purchases uh, from 267 to 271. Western Corn Belt, it was uh, 
Wednesday, 169 to 171 with dress purchases traded mostly at 270. <clears throat> and um, I, I haven't, uh, I don't think the Catalan feed numbers have come out yet for for uh, December. So uh, when they do, I will keep you posted. Um, I like that layout better. All right. Uh, drought monitor. Um, drought improves in the south and southeast. Um, some of the eastern regions, Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina missed out for the most part. Um, abundant rain uh, precipitation in Hawaii and the northwest. Uh, pretty well status quo for the rest of the country. Um, as of December 5th, 28.85% of the U.S. was under drought. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, I guess, of the lower 48, though, 34.36%. So it's, um, it's better, but this is, uh, as we're going into El Nino, I imagine you'll see, at least throughout the West, you'll see these drought numbers improve some. Um, but trying to predict the weather is pretty tough to do. I would, uh, I would recommend checking out the farmer's almanac for next year. See what's going on there. Um, that's what I will be doing. And, uh, anyway, we'll monitor that, uh, exports. Um, Wow, net sales of 200 metric tons for 2023, a marketing year low. We're down 98% from the previous week through a four-week average. Uh, increases for Japan and Mexico and China. Um, oh, those were decreases, so... Hmm... So they were up 7% from previous week, but down 2% from the four-week average. Okay. Um, anyway, beef exports are down, it looks like, total. Um, and comments from Dr. Andrew Griffiths says, cow and calf, cow slaughter and heifer slaughter have continued at a rapid pace, which means the beef cow herd and heifers held for cow replacement are going to be extreme, extremely low to begin 2024 compared to 2023. Knowing there will be fewer cows and bred heifers means the 2024 calf crop is going to be an anemic number compared to 2023, where production expectations stand at this point for beef cattle in 2024. It has set the market up to support strong prices through the end of 2026. So <clears throat> we're going to have another lowest um, cattle cow herd inventory since the 60s for for 2024 um but i mean supply and demand so less less supply means uh higher prices on the demand side so uh cattle slaughter weekly cat reported cattle slaughter was at 635,000 head to compared to the same last week and about 648,000 uh last year Year to date is uh, 30.46 million head, uh, down from 4.7% last year. <clears throat> All right, well, um, not a great look outlook from uh, from the cattle markets and whatnot, but 
Um, there, there's some, I would think there's some hope on the horizon. Um, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll come to this, this article first. I'm going to jump ahead because, um, China is now to significantly step up grain purchases from the U S soft red winter wheat sales to China have more than quadrupled, quadrupled as the world's top ag agricultural importer embarks on a commodity buying spree to supplement rain damaged crops. Uh, <clears throat> China's commodity buying spree could provide a needed boost to the U S wheat exporters. who have seen their market shrink over the last decade due to uncompetitive prices, a trade war and stiff competition from Australia, Canada, and Europe. Wheat imports from Australia are down 27% so far this trade year compared to last year when the country made up 60% of purchases. Steep decline is opening the door to trading partners that have traditionally provided only small volumes. Um, after net zero exports from Kazakhstan last year, for example, China has resumed large purchases from the country. Um, Additionally, China lifted restrictions on Russian wheat last year and imports have soared to nearly a, a record in just four months. Sales to China have also improved market prospects for the wheat industry in the U.S., where exporters were expecting sales to hit a 52-year low. Uh, soft red winter wheat sales have, and to China more than quadrupled from the same period last year. The increased demand has benefited, benefited prices with U.S. quotes for soft red winter wheat raising 17 bucks. Since uh, November to $273 a ton, prices for hard uh, for hard winter wheat climbed to $294 a ton. $5 increase that also reflects increased sales to China. Uh, <clears throat> China's frenzied pace of imports puts it on the path to exceed a, a tariff rate quota of 9.36 million tons by a significant margin. Once the quota... Past importers will need to pay even more in tariffs for the commodities needed to fulfill demand. Um, although China surpassed the threshold in 21 and 22, this is the first calendar year that countries expected to more, import more, import over 10 million tons since 1995. Uh, apparently, they had some really heavy rains that wiped out a ton of crops and. Um, they got a billion and a half people or so to feed, so they're uh, they're scrambling and they're buying all the wheat they can. It sounds like, which is good for American farmers if they got the wheat. Um, so, uh, not all bad news, I suppose. But um, and this one I found pretty interesting. We'll see what comes of it, but I uh, at least somebody's talking about it within the ag industry. Um, so lowering, lowering crop insurance subsidies for large farms could save millions watchdog fines. Uh, U.S. government spent billions of dollars in 2022 to provide crop insurance subsidies to some of the country's richest farmers, according to a GAO report last um, released last Monday. So government accountability office. Crop insurance soared to $17.3 billion last year. U.S. data shows the 19 policyholders with the largest premium subsidies re received around $3 million each, <clears throat> including a nursery in the southern U.S. that was awarded $7.7 .7 million. Farms with large insurance po policies make up just 2% of the crop insurance program, yet they accounted for 36% of subsidies covering premium costs. A 15% percentage point reduction in subsidies for large policyholders would have saved the government around $15 million last year. 
uh, the GO, GAO found. Congressional leaders have searched for new funding to boost programs in the upcoming Farm Bill, and some Democrats are pushing to revamp the USDA's crop insurance program as a way to free up more money. This GAO report shows that a shocking proportion of subsidies intended to support the cost of writing crop insurance policies for all farmers are being eat up by companies and agents who write policies for the very largest farms, uh, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, who requested the GAO report in 2021, said in a statement. Booker's office added that crop insurance reform could fund programs that actually benefit farmers in the next farm bill. So <clears throat> this guy sounds like he's, uh, you know, most of the rural community agricultural producers are by and large pretty conservative type people. And I don't mean politically, I just mean in general, their lifestyle is fairly conservative. Uh, therefore, they tend to vote um, fairly conservative, mostly Republican. Um, anyway, Cory Booker is a, is a, a very liberal, I'd, um, I don't know if you'd call him a, quite a progressive type, he's, but he's very much like a... He's like a a lefty liberal Democrat from New Jersey, um, which from being from New Jersey, just kind of like your standard Democrat from there, I would think. Maybe um, he's also like rumored to be gay. I'd, um, so he's he's more on on the left wing side of the Democratic Party, I'd think. But he's not he's not like full AOC or Ilhan Omar or anything like that. And he says some stuff every now and then that uh, sound pretty good to uh, agricultural producers until you hear him talk um, at length. And then you're like, oh, oh, so you're not you're not really wanting to save money. You're just it, it's all about like taking the money from these people who are richer and giving it to these people who are not as rich. And it's all wealth re redistribution bullshit. And um so while his uh, heart may be in the right place, his his solutions are um, retarded, kind of <laughs> kind of in the same vein as uh, Bernie Sanders. Um, but us folks here in agriculture need to find uh, some find some uh, you know some allies pretty well wherever we can, and get support from from possibly left-wing politicians but not let them not allow them to dictate the the policies that you want pushed through you know there that's that you want you want their support to get what you want passed through you don't you don't want them throwing poison pills in to to kill it and then nothing gets done or sometimes maybe that's the best thing but in this case where where they're actually the government accountability office is like hey Here's where we can uh, clean up some of this subsidy issue. Like, I'm okay with that. Let's do that. And when when you look at these giant corporate farms that uh, have bought up most of Middle America, um, I'm okay with them having to pay more. You know that, or, or not not getting subsidized as hard. They make a ton of money, and they they essentially vert vertically integrated the farming system where, you know, a John Deere dealership owns this huge, huge farm that they can, uh, you know, they can have their, have a, an entire fleet 
straight from the John Deere factory, go to this farm, and uh, they got their own mechanics. And uh, that's what you have to, because John Deere d- doesn't allow you to work on your own equipment anymore, which um, should be changing. I know they're, they've lost a couple couple lawsuits over that where they have to uh, allow other parties to to do the mechanicing on these new tractors. So anyways, it's, um, but it's a whole messy, nasty, just gross corporate situation that, that has encompassed agriculture in the past 30, 40 years or whatever. And, uh, we talk about a lot on the, from the beef side of things, we talk a lot about the poultry and the hog industry, We but we don't talk too much about the, about the, you know, the, the plant side of agriculture, the, the farming side, uh, and how, how vertically integrated that thing is too. So it's, uh, it's, it's a wild system and any meager, you know, improvement is a good thing. So hopefully this, uh, catches some steam, but to explain a little bit more farmers buy crop insurance policies to cover financial losses for price declines or extreme weather events while private companies sell the policies the u.s government subsidizes insurers administrative expenses in the in addition to covering the majority of the premiums so the insurance agent sells you this premium this insurance policy and the government pays for most of the premium that gets paid out on these on these insurance policies and then they also pay all the administrative costs for the private company and um and it's uh, it's a gross system i i can't tell you the number of times i've had i've heard farmers um like almost praying that they didn't have to um almost praying that they didn't have to harvest their crop because they were, <laughs> they didn't, they just wanted to collect that insurance premium. Um, crop insurance costs, costs sort of a whopping $7.9 billion from 21 to 22. USDA reported, unlike other farm programs, producers can receive crop insurance subsidies regardless of income level. About 0.3% of all crop insurance policyholders are considered high income and make up uh, around 0.5% of total premium premiums. Um, hmm. So it doesn't seem like um, you're really going to solve that much. If, it, if they only make up uh, half a percent, so... Huh. I don't know. I'll be right back. Okay, we're back again. Um, Beyond lowering subsidies for high-income farmers, the GAO found that the U.S. government could also find significant savings by adjusting the insurance program's rate of return. Insurers received an annual rate of return on retained premiums of 16.8% on average from 2011 through 2022, exceeding a market-based return of... 10.2 10.2 adjusting the program's rate of return to more closely reflect market conditions could save the government the federal government hundreds of millions of dollars per year the gao said in the reports 
Any changes to the crop insurance program would require legislation from Congress, which sets the subsidy rates. The Farm Bill prevents the government from renegotiating agreements that would reduce underwriting gains for insurance companies, a provision that would need to be repealed. So, essentially, how that works is, since the government's backing up most of the premium and they're doing they're paying the the office uh office expenses all the administrative expenses getting paid by for by me and you through the government <clears throat> and these insurance companies they compete on the market by offering the best rate of return and they're able to offer 6% above market rate uh because they're not paying out much of anything. They're just like a, a middleman for taxpayer money. And uh, it's a good job. Not going to lie, it's a pretty good job. But uh, it's kind of it's kind of gross when you think about it. Like, you're just... Like you, they... Uh, like, you're not even a real company, essentially. Like, if... Because the government backs up all of your like your insurance premium. So it's just like you're you're just essentially a another government entity which is yeah, I don't know. You got I think you guys know how I how I feel about the government entities, but um anyways, it's uh <clears throat> it'd be it'll be interesting to see if anything comes of this. I would uh venture to guess no because uh it's too good of money for for everybody involved, um, except for the taxpayer. Um, but um, here this week the was the, the COP28 summit over in, I think it was in the UAE. Um, so it was big climate summit or whatever. And uh, so this headline here, U.S. agencies unveil collaborative food waste prevention strategy at COP28. Um, U.S. EPA Administrator Michael Regan announced the, <laughs> the draft national strategy for reducing food loss and waste and recycling organics on Saturday at the COP28 the annual climate conference. The strategy takes a whole-of-government approach to improve circularity for organics whatever the hell that means pulling together research and existing funding for opportunities from the epa u.s department of agriculture and food and drug administration and it's designed to help the agencies meet their joint goal of reducing food loss and waste by 50 percent by 2030 the biden-harris administration plans to make use of existing programs that have already begun doling out resources for for organics uh, infrastructure like the solid waste infrastructure for recycling grant program and recycling education and outreach grant program. Other programs like the USDA's composting and food waste reduction agreement will be harnessed, will also be harnessed for the strategy's objectives. Federal agencies have been working toward their 50% food waste reduction goal since 2015. In recent years, the Biden Biden administration has continued to work by building up a body of research on the harms of landfilled organics and the benefits that come from rerouting food from loss and disposal. 
so landfilled organics, um, which so it'd be a carbon-based product buried in the landfill. Now, if you if you remember from some of my previous uh, farm and ranch reports, the part of the idea between regenerative agriculture is to put the carbon back in the soil to be, you know, to help build up your topsoil and everything. And uh, I guess that's supposed to be a better use of the carbon for for the environment uh, or something. But here we are. Now they're saying that's a bad thing because it's in a landfill. But doesn't that sound like compost? Like when you bury a bunch of food waste and it gets hot. And like it all decomposes, it gets pretty nasty, but then it makes compost, which you put on your on your garden or or your farm fields, and it makes excellent fertilizer and helps create a better topsoil. And um, I so I don't know what the issue is. Like it seems like burying food waste, like if you can't get rid of it through you know feeding it to something else, um, burying it for compost is probably the next best bet i'd think but they're saying this is a bad thing um so in october the agency um <clears throat> the agency released a study finding that 58 percent of methane and methane emissions from landfills comes from organics including yard and food waste it determined that most of those emissions occur in the first few years organics are landfilled often before gas capture systems are installed the issue of landfilled food is also growing. The EPA found that 62.5 million tons of food was landfilled in 2020, double the total in 1990. Meanwhile, the administration released a national strategy on hunger, nutrition, and health last year that included a goal to reduce barriers to food recovery. The strategy cited USDA research finding that one-third of all food in the U.S. goes uneaten and set deliverables to reduce that waste, including the development of the food loss strategy. What's well, I'm sure they've got a great strategy. Um, but a third of all food, if that's even close to accurate, that's disgusting. We're such a fat nation. It's, it's awful. Um... Yeah, I'm. I don't know about all you guys. I'm kind of been on this on a, a fitness kick here lately, and I'm going to continue it because I feel good, and um, and so it's good to be able to keep up with my kids, and they're they're just going to get faster and stronger, and I'm got to work harder to stay not fat. So I'm I'm going to do that. But I'm I'm thinking about doing carnivore diet for the month of January just to just to see how how it how I, I do and uh and how it feels <clears throat> and it's uh and it's just a month and and um yeah it might be awesome i don't know but i'm gonna try it anybody wants to join join in with me let me know uh we might make a group or something for it and uh post some ideas or whatever and if anybody's done it before hit me up and uh what what your what your tips are i'm not gonna do a strict carnivore like i still I'm going to use like, um, I'm going to eat peppers and onions and stuff. And then I still use my, my Opta Greens 50 from first form. 
Great company, by the way. Uh, really make really great um, health supplements and uh, just just a good company. Check them out. Firstform.com slash burning daylight. Free shipping on orders over 75 bucks. They got their holiday flavors out now. It's all peppermint based, peppermint bark, um, protein powder, peppermint mocha on the collagen, which you can put in your coffee. Great stuff. Highly recommend it. And um, you should try it. Um, there's a lot of, lot of easy things you can do to improve like your gut health and just overall health by just taking a few supplements. And then you start eating right and working out a little bit better. And then you're, then you're really cooking with fire, but that's a, that's a topic for another show. Um, food loss and waste poses a real challenge to agriculture, food and climate in order to tackle this program and in turn build a resilient food system and mitigate climate impacts. We must explore and implement innovative solutions. Agriculture secretary, Tom Vilsack said in a statement this joint effort between the USDA, EPA, and FDA will enhance interagency coordination and represents a vital step towards preventing food loss and waste, increasing organic waste recycling, and promoting economic opportunity. Um, there was another... Oh, yeah. Um... Because, uh, like I said, the, the further you read into these things, it sounds sounds really good. Yeah, we need to cut back on our food waste. Um, the strategy notes that the current or organics recycling infrastructure nationwide is insufficient to address the issue of waste and endorses the use of funding from programs like EPA's Swiffer Grant Program, funded by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, to improve that infrastructure. Strategy also makes special mention of the need to build out such infrastructure in historically disadvantaged communities, noting that grant funding should go to such projects as part of the administration's Justice 40 initiatives. So, of course, you got to you got to put the social justice stuff in all of this, in all of the legislation. Uh, the agency said they were committed to researching barriers to decentralized community composting. So that's, um, they were committed to researching barriers to decentralized community composting. Um, if you would just go to the communities and be like, hey, you could make a, a community compost pile and uh, it, it'd be a good thing. And I bet you it'd just happen. Like they, they'd do it on their own. Maybe they didn't have the idea, but... Um, you could just remove all the barriers and be like, hey, go do it. That That's uh, that's one way. Uh, as part of their efforts, the agencies plan to continue supporting anaerobic digestion via, digestion via grants and loans to agricultural producers, water resource recovery facilities, and municipalities. Programs that fund such projects include the USDA's Rural Energy for America program, uh, which provides both loan guarantees and grants to agricultural producers and some rural, rural small businesses and EPA's AgStar program. USDA plans to invest $30 million over the next three years into its composting and food waste production cooperative agreement program, which helps local governments and private sector partners develop municipal compost plans and food waste production, reduction plans per the strategy. I don't know why we need the federal government to do any of that. Um, 
Included in the draft are a number of research and data measures to better track food loss and waste. A number of research and data measures to better track food loss and waste. Among those are the development of a decision support tool to help local governments identify appropriate circular solutions a new, and a newly announced strategy to better monitor landfill methane emissions. This will build on USDA's Center for Research, Behavioral Economics, and Extension on Food Loss, Waste, and, and Waste Center. Uh, a 1.5 million research program to address inefficiencies in the food system. So not, they're spending $1.5 uh, million for a research program to address inefficiencies in the food systems. They won't address any of them, or, or they'll write, write a report and nothing will get done. So it, it, it'll be a, a million and a half dollars uh, to do nothing. Food Loss Strategy also noted the agency's ongoing work with food waste nonprofit ReFed, which announced its own national pact this week with grocers, food manufacturers, and others to track their food loss, waste, and data, uh, food loss and waste data. Moving forward, data and measurements will be reported in the administration's annual report on the environment, which the strategy authors will hope will allow agencies to become proactive rather than reactive in addressing food loss and waste. Um, I don't want the government becoming proactive on anything because government agencies rarely know what the fuck they're doing. And all of this, um, what was that? Uh, da, 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 um, a number of research and data measures to better track food loss and waste. Well, the biggest consumption of food would be at the in your household. Therefore, the greatest food waste and waste and lost would be in the individual household. So, just another way to track what you're doing at all times. Uh, and this time it'll be in the name of preventing food waste. And then we'll have food maze. We'll have to combat food waste, misinformation, and disinformation. And then we'll have to monitor, you know, like every time you repost a, a food porn picture, you know, of like, some just delicious, ungodly, unhealthy burger that they, you know, it's got like 19 different add-on ingredients that you just want to make sex in your mouth with it. But, you know, it's probably going to kill you at some point. Like, if, if you post that, you get a ding on your credit score because that's going to lead to, lead, lead to food waste at some point, and that's bad. Um, Now... Check back in on a, in a couple years after they've implemented this policy and uh, see how correct I was. I'll be I'll be happy to to admit if I was wrong. But um, anyway, I don't see this being a good thing whatsoever. Um, and moving on to the rest of the the COP twenty eight stuff. Um, uh, to sum it up, it's a giant circle jerk of who can be the best uh, little 
climate dude on earth. And so they're all talking about how they're going to, they're going to ramp up their, their efforts to cut down emissions and invest more in regenerative farming and climate friendly, this climate friendly, that, and we're all going to do our part to make these fuckers eat bugs. Um, and then, so this was, this is kind of a follow-up on, uh, I don't know if you remember if it was last week or week before, but Tyson's insect bet will spur further adoption in the space, an IFT member says. Um, protein producers adopting bugs for use in animal feed provides a lower barrier for entry, potentially making it easier to introduce insects into consumer diets, experts say. I wonder who these experts are. <clears throat> While the prospect of eating food, uh, insects sounds unacceptable to many consumers, industry leaders see significant promise in their ability to help meet the need for a more sustainable supply chain and more protein. Alexandra Kazax, PhD and RD, member of the nutrition division at the Institute of Food Technologists, said the entry of Tyson Foods into the insect space lends its legitimacy. The meat giant recently announced a strategic investment with the startup Protex to boost insect ingredients for use in the food supply chain, specifically for use in animal feed. Despite Tyson not investing in insects for use in, hum use in human food, Kazakh says it comes as in industry players are taking the prospect of implementing bugs into the food system seriously and scaling up production can help it meet that demand. Insect farming, she said, currently lacks the infrastructure for widespread adoption. The space can also can help solve costly issues, she said, including feedstock availability, disease management, and environmental, environmental sustainability. Uh, Tyson's interest in insect ingredients as an extension of their existing business is a clear indication of the potential in, that this market holds, Kazakh said. <clears throat> as food and beverage companies work to overhaul their supply chains to reduce their carbon footprint over the next decade, implementing insect protein into their operations could drive down their use of resources. Eight square meters of land are needed to grow a pound of crickets compared to 115 square meters needed for a pound of beef, producer cricket powder said. Yeah, but nobody's dying to eat a pound of crickets. Like, nobody's, like paying good money to go out to a nice restaurant and eat a pound of crickets. Not that I'm aware of. But every day, people will pay good money to go eat a pound of beef. Um, according to the IFT, expert companies starting with using insects as animal feed could provide fewer barriers for entry into the space with lower costs. By starting with animal feed, companies can gain in experience, refine their methods, and develop more efficient production processes before expanding into the potentially larger and more competitive human food market. Um, while, insects protein, <laughs> while insect protein is gaining steam in the West, and it's really not. They're pushing it hard, but it's not. Uh, as an ingredient, it is still met with skepticism and an ick factor from many as an actual food source. Consumers who are unfamiliar with the use of insects as a protein source may take a while to be convinced based on their association with, of bugs with disease, with disease and disgust. 
Um, but as consumers increasingly seek out protein in their food and beverage items, insects provide a new frontier. Cricket flour, for example, contains between 12 and 20 grams of protein per 100 grams serving. Kazakh said producers should tailor insect-based products by emphasizing their positive attributes, even if they don't align with their taste and texture preferences. This could include labels explaining nutritional benefits, such as protein content and vitamins and minerals they contain, along with the sanitary conditions edible insects are raised in compared to conventional livestock, she said. To address this unfamiliarity, it would be helpful to introduce insect-based products in a way that is not intimidating and emphasizes their nutritional benefits, their potential as versatile, inconspicuous ingredients in food products. Adventurous eaters looking for new protein sources are the most likely consumers to try new products made with insects. I doubt that. They're more likely to go hunt something and eat that. Uh, Future insect-based products... Could include dietary supplements, flavor enhancers, powders, bars, and burger patties, according to Kazakhs. Get your get your cricket burger. It's good for you, kids. Similar to other alternative protein products, producers also stand to benefit from stressing how much less carbon and water it takes to produce edible insects than livestock, she said. As the food industry continues to involve insect proteins as well as plant-based and cell-based alternatives represent a promising and sustainable alternative that deserves attention and investment. I respectfully disagree, Dr. Kazix. Um, only the poorest of Indian tribes ever ate bugs. As soon as they were able to, they went hunting. Or they grew their own... like. Bugs, it, consuming bugs is a sign of poverty, has been throughout humanity. And uh, there is no need. There is no need for it. And if, like I said, if you think industrial agriculture is bad, feedlots, chicken farms, just wait until you see an industrial capacity cricket farm. Like that is going to, I mean, blah. Gives me the the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. And uh, as far as on the animal feed side, I've thought about this quite a bit. I don't think it's a good idea to feed it to cattle Um, because cattle are herbivores. Now, poultry, chickens will eat the fuck out of a cricket. Uh, So putting cricket powder as opposed to corn, maybe that's not a bad idea. Maybe... Maybe that's a little closer to what a chicken normally would eat is bugs. So I'm not opposed to that. However, you won't find me eating a cricket burger anytime soon unless there is some real money behind it. Um, <clears throat> so we'll end on a couple stories of uh, just idiocy. Um, oh, I guess... Uh, one thing I forgot to mention at this COP28 deal is um, um, the United Nations Climate Change Conference uh, led to the launch of the Dairy Methane Action Alliance, an effort, effort to reduce methane emissions on dairy farms. And several dairy companies like the Bell Group, Dan One, General Mills, Kraft Heinz, Lactalis, USA, and Nestle are joining forces to both measure methane emissions and be transparent about them. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know what all that means. It's a lot of, a lot of grandstanding. Um, so where, okay, here we go. So Canada is going to war on plastic. Canada has proposed something drastic, cutting the plastic. Uh, plastic from pa produce packaging, that is. Environment and Climate Change Canada published a pre-proposal in August that would regulate packaging in Canada's grocery stores. By 2026, 75% of fresh produce sold in Canada must be sold in bulk or non-plastic packaging. By 2028, this requirement raises to, rises to 95%. Uh, the Canadian government is adamant, even though plastic packaging for produce only accounts for 2.9% of total plastic packaging in the country. According to Western Growers and the Canadian Produce Marketing Association, banning the produce industry from using plastic materials at this time would create catastrophic financial and health concerns are consequences for Canadians, uh, said, said, oh, the Canadian Produce Market. Produce Marketing Association President Ron Lemaire and the Western Growers President and CEO Dave Puglia. In case you missed it, food prices in Canada are already high. This is from Magnetic Ag, by the way. Um, the majority of produce sold in Canada is imported from the U.S., and nearly all this produce is packaged in, pla packaged in plastic to keep costs down, produce, uh, produce fresh, and avoid food safety and spoilage issues. Uh, the crippling reality is that while many would love an earth that with less less plastic, the price for change could be passed down to consumers. And if consumers have to sacrifice produce, produce they'll act, they'll also sacrifice their health. Health, rural and remote communities um, would suffer the most. Opponents to the proposal are urging Prime Minister Trudeau and Environment and Climate Change Canada to focus on higher recycled content approach and to better the recycling system. Um, so with all the, the, the problems that are, you know, facing Canadians, uh, the government really take a bold action and getting rid of like the cling wrap plastic on your, on your bell peppers. Really, really making a difference in this crazy world. Really going the extra mile. Um, and then on that note here, um, NCBA member testifies in support of the Black Vulture Relief Act. Uh, so this was... This is like still one of um, the NCBA's like main focuses of legislation in within with at the federal level is black vulture relief and, and trying to get make it so that producers can get rid of vultures if they're they're poaching their cattle i understand that what i don't understand is with the shambles that the cattle industry is in right now, like with with the crunch of inflation, uh, drought, the consolidation of the meatpacking industry, forcing 
the small ranchers out of business at an alarming rate. The the small feedlot operators are almost all gone. <laughs> With uh, an increasing concentration of uh, and and merging of alliances between the packers and the dairy industry, and this this huge influx of crossbred dairy calves, um, putting more pressure on your traditional cattle producer. They're going to focus on turkey vultures, essentially. That is their what they're championing. That is the cause that we should be able to shoot turkey vultures with impunity, which I agree with. I do agree with that. Um, but what you could do anyways is just shoot the sons of bitches if they're poaching a calf and then ask for forgiveness later or just don't tell anybody about it. I won't say that I've done that before, but I, uh, I've thought about it a time or two and, um, I might've blacked out and, you know, stuff happened. I, I don't recall, but there, you, you couldn't get behind the prime act, which would, um, empower local producers, <laughs> local meat processors to sell product retail, across state lines with a state inspection rather than USDA inspection, um, which would create huge amounts of competition at local levels and eventually help uh, cut into the market share of these giant uh, meat processors. But no, let's let's make sure we can shoot some turkey turkey vultures. And um, like as of the, as if the ranchers aren't already taking care of that problem. Like if you're that much of a rule follower that you're just willing to sacrifice a calf so that you don't get a you know a visit from the EPA or whatever, I mean, use a little bit of resiliency and just take care of the damn problem. It's your it's your calf, take care of it. And uh, and but you wonder why the the NCBA wonders why everybody hates them, <laughs> like why none of the cattle producers are are. That I know anyway. I mean, there's a handful, but like most of them, even the NCBA members are like, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, this they they don't they're not doing what it's they're just like another extension of the government. We elect them to do a job, and they just do what they want anyways, and it ends us fuck ends up fucking us over uh, uh, downstream, and yet yeah, the uh, but I know plenty of of ranchers that still pay dues to this trade association that well one day they're gonna make sure that you can you can shoot those turkey vultures with impunity just like you could uh you know a little tweety bird one of these days that's gonna happen and you know what it'll be all worth it for them in cba membership fees but until then you have to you have to be careful about thinning out your your turkey vulture pro- problem. You got to get creative. Got a little shifty. And um, yeah, and you got to be, you got to be quiet about that shit. Don't go around in your mouth. Um, loose lips sink ships, or something like that. I believe that was Ben Franklin. He said that when he was plowing out the some member of the French aristocracy. Um, probably before noon. Um, well, I, I just, uh, yeah, I guess the, to end the show, shout out to Ben Franklin 
The dude invented daylight savings times as a gag to talk shit on the French for being lazy while he banged all the the women of the French aristocracy pretty well with impunity. So um, he was the best president that America never had, in my opinion. And uh, so hats off to, to Ben Franklin today on Monday, December 11th, 2023. This has been the Friggin' Farm Report. Hope you all have a good week. Take care out there. Get your get your Christmas shopping done. Shop locally. And by locally, I mean small businesses. You can buy it from all the way across the country, but keep money circulating in small communities, whether, whether that be uh, a community within a big city or just a small town somewhere. But keep your money local. And, and like I said, buy local. I mean, within, within small businesses, within small communities wherever they may be. Uh, there's plenty, if you're buying tack or, or whatever, there are so many good tack makers out there and they're pretty easy to find nowadays thanks to social media. So um, check that out. If you're, looking, if you're looking to get a head start on your New Year's resolution, get back in shape, head over to firstform.com slash burning daylight. Check out their app. They got a lot of good fitness programs and uh, help you track your diet, all that good stuff. And their supplements are second to none. Check them out. And um, yeah, have a good week. Move your ass. We're burning daylight. You rise up in the morning beneath the stars so bright. Pull your hat down, make sure your cinch is tight Horse is kinda snuffy, cold chill up your spine It'll get your ass moving some more burning daylight Tell the job's done right